Welcome back, friends, to Mavericks and Misfits. This is Jeff coming at you today from the offices of Antioch Outpost in Bethlehem, Georgia. Some of you guys that are listening are new and maybe unfamiliar with uh, what else I might be doing with my life. And um, Mavericks and Misfits is just a, a great opportunity to connect in ways um, via a microphone and your digital device, wherever you're listening, and for me to pour kingdom stuff into you. But actually, um, my primary calling is to um, be the senior leader at Antioch Outpost. We are a word and spirit church located on the outskirts of Atlanta, the way outskirts of Atlanta. Um, I guess we're technically Metro Atlanta, but we're way up there to the north and to the east and a little town called Bethlehem and, pardon me, and a great, great group of people been here Coming up, it'll be three years in April, so after 20-plus years at um, my previous assignment and Faith Family back in the day, uh, we've been here for about three years and just loving what God is doing here. Um, it's hard to find a church these days, isn't it? One that um, is both committed to the authority of the Scriptures and the necessity of the operation of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of been like my, my lane for many years is how do we develop a return to first century priorities, which were apostolic doctrine that of course did not have the completed canon of scripture, but they had apostolic doctrine, much of which became the new Testament. They did have the old Testament that would have been their Hebrew Bible. How do we maintain the authority of the scriptures and the necessity of the Holy Spirit, because most churches force you to choose between one or the other. <laughs> Some churches offer neither. Run from those churches. Don't mind telling you that. Um, but how do we find and become Christians who believe the Word of God and don't slice and dice it according to our denominational traditions? And I think if I can just land this one point, I think ultimately we need those two things: the authority of the apostles doctrine and the necessity of the Holy spirit. And by that, I mean his gifts, his empowerment, supernatural gifts, not just merely our experience with a little touch from heaven on it, but truly spirit born gifting signs, wonders, miracles, healings, tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, all of those first Corinthians 12 gifts. And I spent a lot of time as an, as a early Christian, um, just kind of going, 100% Bible, 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 and almost nothing from the Holy Spirit besides a few doctrinal points of pneumatology. And uh, that wasn't working. And it's not working for the church that is, and it's not going to work for what's coming. We need the power of the scriptures. And for you guys that grew up in a charismatic environment, um, I would just say bluntly, a lot of charismatic churches need to blow the dust off the scriptures and study it. Like get into the word of God, get up off the Holy Ghost rolling around on the floor and open your Bible, get trained in teaching. Um, That's another thing that I like to do in the kingdom is I help lead Caneo Ministry Training Center. It's a four-year Bible college that'll help people get grounded in the scriptures and it's in the context of word and spirit. And so we need both, okay? Um, One of the reasons is because uh, the, the amount of deception that is hitting Uh, people in our generation, and I speak primarily to a Christian audience, it's hitting Christians in our generation. Deception is on like full throttle. I mean, it's just 
banging itself into lives that previously were not operating in deception. But the reason why people get deceived is because they don't love the truth. And if you don't love kingdom truth, and when I mention that, I'm talking about as revealed in scripture, you're open to deception. And so I spoke in the previous podcast. I really would encourage you to listen to that one. Even before you finish listening to this one, I spoke on mind games, uh, last podcast and, um, talked about the battle for your thought life, for your mind. Are you walking in truth? Do you believe truth? Are you proactively pressing into truth? Are you tearing down the strongholds and the opinions and the arguments that come against God in his way and his will and his word? And so you may really want to listen to that because that was kind of like talking more about tearing down strongholds. Today is a little bit of a follow-up episode to that. And I, I want to talk to you, okay, once the strongholds are being torn down, and by the way, you never quit doing that because strongholds tend to get built back up. And so we have to constantly be aware of any stronghold that is around us or inside of us. And we tear it down as soon as we notice the first brick being laid. We don't let strongholds grow. We don't let error and deception and opinion um, hold any place in our heart if it comes against the knowledge of God. And I think that we, sorry, got a little frog in my throat. I think that we not only need to tear stuff down, but we need to recognize that as Jesus followers who are inhabited by the Holy Spirit, we also have the ability to build up. And I'm a big proponent of not just tearing down. It doesn't take as many spiritual gifts to tear something down as it does to build something lasting up. And so building is hard, hard work and you can tear stuff down, but if you don't build the right thing in its place, then that space is wasted. And you know, primarily talking about what's going on in our heads. We don't need to just eliminate wrong thinking, unbiblical thinking, fleshly thinking, worldly thinking. We need to erect citadels of truth and spirit in our thinking. And that is not your pastor's job to do that for you. He's with you one hour a week pouring into you, maybe two hours a week. And if that's all you're getting, then you are, you're spiritually anorexic. You're, you're, you're in trouble. And so you've got to feed yourself. You've got to build up yourself. I think the core verses that we used last week are, are worth reading again, just very briefly from second Corinthians 10, three, though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, I submitted that to you last week and told you over and over again, that's very militant language. It's anything but casual. It's not kind of take it or leave it. It's talking about destroying every lofty opinion, taking captive every thought, obeying Christ, destroying strongholds, walking in divine power, having weapons of warfare. So it's very militant language that needs to be reintroduced to the normal life of modern day Christians because we are much more like people on vacation than people at war. And so again, those verses taught us that we, we live in a natural body. That's what he said when he said we walk in the flesh and we're in a spiritual war. And that means we have to use spiritual weapons instead of carnal or fleshly weapons. Um, we have divine power. We have the power of God. Please get that. You child of God have divine power. 
It doesn't mean you're a magician. It doesn't mean like, you know, you're a wizard. It doesn't mean you're a spellcaster. It just means God lives in you. Therefore, through your body, divine power can be released. And that's very important when it comes to the concept of warfare and destroying spiritual strongholds. And those strongholds we went over last week, they're described as arguments, which just means kind of intellectual reasoning. They can be proud opinions. And those opinions typically defy who God is and what he says. And then those strongholds can also be our own rebellion, our own rebellious thoughts coming into agreement with things that are not true, obeying fear, obeying pride, obeying self-preservation. Those are all rebellious things that um, have no advantage when trying to win the battlefield for our minds. And I would just say, based on that 2 Corinthians 10 passage that I just read, much if not most of spiritual warfare takes place within our minds and it's kind of rooted in how we think. So how we think is either going to bring us into victory or leave us in some measure of defeat. Now, here's some other thoughts and I just want to give you a few scriptures. And again, my job that I've kind of given it to myself, you may wish I was doing something different, but my job in a podcast like this is to awaken you to shine a light on something, to take you through about 30 minutes of staring at it. And then I sign off, I go about my day and you sign off and you go about your day. But as you do, you're asking God, God, help me, give me revelation on what was spoken on the podcast. What do I do with what Jeff said today? That's my goal in this. And so when we're talking about this deception, we're talking about these strongholds and we're talking about how do we win? How do we protect our minds? How do we consecrate our thinking in such a way that deception, though it comes against us, it doesn't get in us. Well, I want you to remember something because a lot of people just, every now and then, people close to me will say, you talk a lot about the enemy. Jeff, you're giving the enemy glory. You're giving him too much press. I disagree with that. Um, I'm trying to awaken people to the fact that we're in a war, and if you don't even know who your enemy is, you probably won't notice that he's waging war against you. So for me, it's an exposure of the enemy, not a a morbid uh, focus on him. But in 2 Corinthians, again, chapter four, this is what Paul said about how the enemy works against people. He's talking about unsaved people. He says, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing in their case. Now watch this. In the case of those who are perishing, the unbeliever, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who's the image of God. Did you catch that? So Satan's inscripturated tactic. It's right here in your Bible. It's not up for debate. He works against unbelievers by keeping them blind to the truth of the gospel. And so my submission to you is that if he is working with unbelievers to keep them blind to the truth that can save them, is it not spiritually reasonable to believe that he would work against believers to blind them to the truth that could spiritually empower them for victory. So he's working in some way to keep people blinded from truth that will bring them forward in Christ, whether from unbelievers coming into belief or from believers coming into victory. And so right there, it just, just write this down. Well, some of you are driving, but just think through this. Satan never operates in neutral. He's never in neutral. The demonic realm never stops. They know their time is short. They are strategized. They are organized. They are activated. They're clear on their mission. They're very committed. 
And Christians oftentimes are just sitting back saying, yeah, well, Jesus is going to rapture us out of here and we're going to enjoy life until that happens. And so, again, there's this blindness that is perpetuated by the activity of the demonic realm to keep you and me as Christians, keep us blinded from truth that would make us more victorious over Satan and his army. Um, So I would submit to you this victory and this freedom that is ours to experience and live out, it, it's definitely rooted in what we believe. And we think about what we believe. Your mind will naturally gravitate to the things that are most important to you. And that could be a host of different things. It could be different from day to day, but your mind will go to the thing that demands its attention the most. So Satan works in the art of distraction. He keeps a thousand things in front of you on a rotating basis so that you don't think about the most important things. Um, we lean to our own understanding. We embrace logic and reason. We move according to natural sensibilities, common sense. And we don't always listen to the voice of the Lord. You may not know this verse, but Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six is a good one to remember. Proverbs 28, 26 says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. I love that. I love the book of Proverbs because you don't really have to, you know, go too deep in them. They're just nuggets that are true and they just, they stick to you. So whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. If you lean on your own understanding, if you trust in your own ability, and this means independently of the spirit, just your own natural instincts, the Bible says that person's a fool. And then it contrasts that person with the one who walks in wisdom and says the person who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And that's a word that means you will be set free. You will be, um, you will literally experience breakthrough and victory. And so if we walk in wisdom, we will not be in the clutches of the enemy. We will be delivered from the enemy. So again, our minds need to be given to wisdom and wisdom of course is, is comes from the fountain of biblical truth. God's wisdom is in the revelation of scripture. And so when we talk about reading our Bibles, it's not so you can check your list and make your spiritual leader or your mentor happy or check your legalistic you know, box. No, you, you read the Bible because it is God's fountain of wisdom into your life. And the more fountain of wisdom you drink from, the more you're going to experience victory, breakthrough, and deliverance if you believe what you're reading. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit, I don't think I know it. He, he uses process and that process that he uses in the lives of Christians, it, it helps our thinking to be, to be new, to be qualitatively new, to be different, to be resurrected, to be other than normal, rational, human, carnal thinking. And that's why Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter four and verse 23. And he said, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. So there is a spirit that characterizes the atmosphere of your mind. So there is a, a, a mental spirit that you're living with. And I'm not talking about a demon or an angel. I'm talking about there is this atmospheric spiritual context in which you are processing the world around you. And Paul says, yes, that is true. You must be renewed in that atmosphere. 
you can't come into agreement with mental fog. You can't come into agreement with spiritual clouds. You can't come into agreement with fumes that the enemy has released into the atmosphere. And that stuff gets in your head and you don't think rightly. You don't think scripturally. You don't think righteously. You don't think spiritually. And so we're called to be renewed. That means when I'm commanded to do something in the Bible, it's on me. I'm not asking, listen, I do pray for God to bring the renewal of my mind. And God says, yes, I I will renew your mind. There's a process. What is it? Well, the process has tons of points, but let me again reemphasize. You're renewed in your mind by reading slowly, studying the word of God. That is foundational. I don't care if you don't like to read. People say that. I don't Well, I just don't like to read. Okay. Do you like being in mental defeat? Do you like being confused? Do you like being deceived? Do you like being powerless? Do you like being a prisoner to lies? Do you like that? Read your Bible. And if you don't know how to read, and there are people that just have never learned how to read, or, or maybe they just, um, you know, they, maybe they have a learning disability. Buy it on audio. I know you can listen to audio because you're listening to this. So do something proactive, but get renewed in the spirit of your mind. That means take ownership of the process pray fellowship with Christians. You're doing something good right now to help be renewed in the spirit of mind. You're investing some time to get the word and the truth and the exhortation of, of, of God's word into you by listening to this podcast. So why is this important? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not just important. It, it's life and death. Spiritually speaking, it's victory and defeat. It's darkness and light. Um, it's liberation or enslavement. And so when we, we have to recognize that we are spiritual creatures born twice, born anew, born from above, born again. And therefore we have a totally different dynamic by which we go at life. Um, Paul wrote again, Paul did a lot of good writing, obviously to the church at Corinth because he's correcting error in both first Corinthians and second Corinthians. And in first Corinthians two, He says this in verses 14 through 16, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But the spiritual person discerns all things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct him. We have the mind of Christ. Wow. 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 All right. Born again, friend, daughter of God, son of God. You have the mind of Christ. The Bible just said that. Not you need to get the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. So you have the capacity to think the thoughts of God. You have the capacity in your spirit, man, to be able to literally align your thoughts, your emotions, your inner being, yourself. You have the ability to submit that to God, to align with him. You have the mind of Christ. It's in there. Now, here's what I believe is true. The mind of Christ in many Christians is buried. It is buried because people more proactively, some people, some Christians more proactively give their minds to things other than things that pertain to Christ. So in other words, I have the mind of Christ, but if all I live for is to watch television and sitcoms and reality TV or movies, or horror flicks, or pornography, then I have the mind of Christ, but it is buried under layers of things that are deadly. 
So I am unaware that the mind of Christ is in me because I'm giving my mind intentionally to things that pull me away from the mind of Christ. So what is coming into my mind via what I watch, what I listen to, what I read, all of that stuff, what I give my mind to, um, that's going to most characterize myself. And it's not that we don't have the mind of Christ. It's that we can't find it. Why? Because we spend so, and I say we, it's the collective we, and it may not be you and it may not be me, but we, I'm going to throw us all in the boat. We give ourselves to things that are less than. Paul would write to the church at Colossae in chapter number three, in those opening verses, he says, since you are then risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. I mean, it's so amazing that a lot of the Christian life that people are just standing around waiting for God to zap them with holy thoughts, zap them with righteous, wonderful, deep, spiritual, meaningful thoughts to zap them with an anointing. I'll go forward and let the great man of God lay her hands on me or his hands on me. And, and when they put their hands on me, everything that they've learned is just going to be transmitted to me through the laying on the hands. That's stupid. That's just stupid. Do you know how that, that person that you admire, that person who just spoke the word of God in your, you know how they got it? They gave their minds to it. They can't give it to you if you give your mind to other stuff. So we have the mind of Christ. It's just buried. So it might be a good opportunity just to ask yourself, what is Jesus's mind buried under in my mind? Because I promise you, if you get radical, like literally radical enough to quit watching the programs that you watch, to quit binging on Netflix, to quit playing video games all day. To quit reading, you know, Facebook after Facebook and watching TikTok vid after TikTok vid and quit obsessively going through your Snapchat and to quit, you know, breathing in the toxicity of Twitter, now called X. Like, if you'll stop, just stop it. Stop intentionally spending hours a day or at least hours a week giving your mind to that. And then when you shut everything down at night and you wonder why you're unhappy. You wonder why your dreams are fitful. You wonder why you struggle, you're depressed, you're hostile, you're angry. What's well, because you don't have the mind of Christ operative in you. It's buried beneath all the stuff. But on the contrary, if you give yourself to the things of the spirit, the word of God, fellowship, Bible study, ministry, loving well in your home, reading books that edify you, praying in the spirit, building yourself up on your most holy faith. Go to prayer meetings. They're the most important meetings in our churches, not the Sunday stuff. That's, that's great. Go Sunday because that's when the believers gather, gather together. But my favorite meetings of the week are the meetings where we're praying and I'm not preaching. Why? Because we're just getting in the presence of God and that relieves all the gunk. Like you have to take ownership over what is happening in your head and, you know, quit blaming the devil for attacking your mind when you're the one who's opening the door to that thief. I meet with people regularly who run these cycles of, you know, zeal and victory and then defeat and depression 
And a lot of times I talk to these people and I find out, man, yeah, they're just literally coming into agreement in their minds with stuff via entertainment that portrays sins that Jesus died for. Like horror flicks. It's, you know, we're coming up on Halloween. Shouldn't celebrate it. You shouldn't have anything to do with it. You shouldn't dress your kids up. You just shouldn't do it. Do the research. There's a lot of Christians now that were former witches, warlocks, and Satanists. They'll tell you what they used to do on Halloween. And Christians give themselves to it. And then they want to go see the, you know, the slasher movie and the gore. And then they wonder, I don't feel the peace of Jesus. Well, of course you don't. Because the mind of Christ is buried beneath violence and gore and horror and demonology. So if you reverse that and you fill your mind with the word of God, you fill your mind with those things that are beautiful and lovely and pure and good and holy and strengthening, like you go after it. And guess what? Your flesh has been trained, if you've given yourself to the world, your flesh has been trained to only have pleasure in things that are unlawful. You actually have to crucify your flesh and your appetites will get retrained. So like when I got saved, I had spent the previous decade, I was 24 when I got saved, I had spent from age 14 to 24 and all I did was live for my flesh in any way I possibly could. So when I got saved, I literally knew instinctually that life is gone. I'm not going to do those things anymore. But then I had the big looming question, well, what am I going to do? Because that's all I ever knew how to do. I had to retrain my appetites. I had to retrain my instincts. And now I would never think about going back to that stuff. Why? Because the mind of Christ has been unearthed in me. And my job is to keep it above everything else that might enter into my mind. And again, um, we're commanded to that, to, to do that. We are commanded to be renewed in the spirit of our mind because we have the mind of Christ. And so, um, Romans eight, let me just give you this. It's probably about time to wrap up, but let me give you Romans eight. Now, listen, Paul is distinguishing between spiritual people and carnal people. He's distinguishing between people who belong to God through Christ and people who don't. And this is what he says in Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They set their minds. They themselves set their own minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, those are Christians, set their minds on the things of the spirit. So there you have a statement. It's called an indicative. It's not a command. It's a statement of fact. People who are born again, set their own minds on the things of the Holy Spirit. That's what Romans 8, 5 says. Why? Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can't. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, so now he's contrasting Christians with the unbeliever. The unbeliever is in the flesh. The unbeliever is hostile to God. The unbeliever will not submit to God's ways. The unbeliever can't submit to God's ways. The unbeliever has, sorry, intentionally given their minds to the things of the flesh. And then in Romans 8, 9, he says, but you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
Okay, I love that verse because you don't have to be a genius to figure it out. Your appetites are a revelation of where you stand with God. We see this all the time. People have prayed the prayer and asked Jesus into their heart, but they're fully bent on fulfilling fleshly appetites. They may go to church on Sunday, but their appetites, their minds direct them to the things that please their flesh. If you take Romans 8, just stand alone, there would be some legitimate questioning as to whether or not a person who is continually given their mind to the things of the flesh is actually even saved. What I find is that many truly saved people have never understood their part in refusing to give their minds to the things of the flesh. They literally think, okay, what's the lowest common denominator? I don't want to do these nine sins because God get mad, but I think these are okay because I see this person in the church and they do it and this person does it and this person does it. And so they, they look to people to determine in their minds what is acceptable to God and what is not. Don't do that. Look to God. Listen to the spirit. Set your minds on things that are heavenly and come from the Lord and literally close down access to your thoughts from sources that God does not approve of. And if you have the spirit of Christ, he will tell you what those things are in your life. And guys, that's so important because the Lord wants your relationship with him to be so personalized that yes, we're all bound to the written word of God. There is nothing in the word of God that is thou shalt or thou shalt not that is open for negotiation. But do you know there are some gray areas in the Christian life that God the Spirit says, if you'll talk to me about them, I'll tell you what's right for you. And I've, I've never regretted laying down something because I thought it might inhibit me having the mind of Christ. So there's just stuff that I used to watch on TV, never like filthy stuff or anything. But there's stuff now that I just don't want it in my head. I'm a big law and order cops kind of like, I like justice. I like law. I like cop shows. I like mystery. I like detectives and that kind of stuff. And I just don't watch that stuff anymore because almost all of it has to do with some form of violence or sexual crimes or, you know, something that is antithetical to the spirit of peace. And so I just don't watch it. And, you know, that may not be a big deal to you, but I had to willingly lay it down. I don't watch movies that have nakedness in it. I will never watch a scene in a movie that has sexual activity. I just don't do that. And that if, I don't care what people think about that. What I'm telling you is the reason why is because the mind of Jesus in me can't say amen to a sex scene that I might be watching. That's having the mind of Christ. Like his mind regulates what you do. And your mind submits to his mind. Now, again, this may make me sound radical, but I don't mind at all. I, I absolutely don't mind. Some of you need to get radical for the sake of your own soul. And some of us in the body of Christ need wake up calls and recognize good night alive. We're so non-radical. We're barely distinguishable between us and non-believers because we give our minds to the same thing. And so I'll wrap up with Romans 12, two verses that you guys know. Um, do not be conformed to this world. So this is not Jeff's opinion. This is God's word. Do not conform yourself to this world. In contrast, be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So that by testing, you can distinguish what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. It is in the renewing of your mind that you will come into an, an ability, a God-given ability, 
to discern to discern what God's will is. You can't do that if you give yourself to the flesh. Because people that are in their flesh don't even ask what God wants. They just do what they want. But people who are pursuing the unearthing of the mind of Jesus Christ within them, again, it can get buried. Once you unearth it, once you say no to all the things that have been suffocating and smothering the mind of Christ in you, keep those things out of your life. And you'll hear him. You'll hear him every day. You'll hear him multiple times a day. He's not speaking from the outside of you. He's speaking from the inside of you. But that spiritual voice, the voice of your Savior through the Spirit within your human spirit, it gets muffled. And we can't operate in the mind of Christ with junk in our lives. But when you get free, hallelujah, I speak this blessing over you. Some of you are going to respond to these words that you've heard today. You're going to start what will end up being a short journey, but meaningful. You're going to start a short, meaningful journey with the Lord about these things. And you're going to ask the Lord, Lord, what needs to go from my life? What is smothering out? What is muffling the voice of Jesus in my life? What is hindering my ability to think like Jesus thinks? And the Lord's going to say, I am honored and happy that you asked. Let's take this out. Let's take this out. Let's put this in. You need to commit to this. Fasting, praying, worshiping, changing your music. I didn't even touch that one. Some of y'all like go to church and you're just filled with the glory of God. And then the rest of the week, you're listening to stuff that is aggrandizing things in the flesh. Music is powerful. And lyrics, guys. God's going to tell you, some of you, stop listening to that. I had one album. I'm trying to quit. This is just, listen, I love podcasting because I can just talk to you without, you know, <laughs> you can shut it off if you want to, but I'm going to keep talking. There's no pressure on you or me. So last thought is when, um, this is not too terribly long ago. Like I quit listening to music that was flagrantly sinful, but I had this one band that I used to listen to right before I got saved and they had some really mellow tunes, very good, very talented, uh, instrumentally great vocals. They were songwriters. So the words had poignant meaning and I really liked them. And they, they really didn't, the songs that's particular to this one album that I listened to wasn't, it wasn't book um, by the book sinful, but, uh, Amy got in my truck one day and one of the songs played and she's, she's like, what is that? And I was like, Oh, that's so-and-so. And she goes, and I, I was talking about, yeah, it was the last band I listened to right before I got saved. And she goes, no wonder you were depressed all the time before you met Jesus, Jeff. That's depressing. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, initially I was just like, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then when Amy wisely didn't push the issue and she let God push the issue, I listened to that album, to the lyrics, and I recognized every single song was hopeless and depressing. <laughs> every single song robbed me of the things of Jesus while I listened to them. And so guess what I did? I quit listening. And by the way, I went back and told my wife, Hey, you were right. I won't listen to that stuff anymore. Why? Because it, it smothered the mind of Christ in me. And it actually ministered to a part of my soul that God had already healed. And it was just trying to resurrect what God had put to death. So guys, I know this has been like a fire hydrant of turning stuff on and pouring it out. Maybe maybe, maybe you just seek the Lord and say, Lord, how much of that was for Jeff? How much of it was for me? But please don't miss the main parts that came right out of the scripture because that's for all of us. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.